them personally, but listening to your heart and your messages over the years. So, let's stay standing if you don't mind. Thank you. Oh, it won't be long. <laughs> uh, a couple of my favorite ones, um, I love your laugh and just how contagious the joy is coming from this man of God. And, and I have gotten so free on the couch and on the floor of my own house, just listen to you laugh over the years. But some of my more favorite messages he's spoken on in topics have been Christ in you. And then also, you be the church. That was another one of my favorite ones. That was a decade ago. Um, but I, I, I just want to bless them and honor them because they're a mother and father in the nation's. And so, Lord, we just extend our hands and our faith. Lord, we honor them tonight. Lord, we pull on heaven in them and through them. Lord, we honor their voice and their heart and what they carry. And we say we need it tonight. We need it this weekend. We need it in the city. Lord, we honor the prophetic voice, the Father's heart in them and the transformation that you want to bring through them. Thank you for their marriage, Lord, the healing and restoration of marriages through their lives, Lord. Amen. Hello. The great thing about being in the front row is you're closest to the band. The bummer is I don't get to see you until we turn around. Hello. Hello. How many people have been to some form of Father Heart weekend or a conference or read a book? Or Yay. And how many of this is new to you? Well, you know what? It should keep staying new. So you're going to be a great inspiration for the ones who've heard it. I've been probably in thousands of conferences since 1983. And you're going to hear from us. Really, our whole message has been our journey and the grace of God. Because we got saved in the middle of a divorce. Um, you know, we just did it all really wrong. We were a couple of hippies. And uh, I've been with them since I was 15. You know, a habit I don't want to quit. And... Um, and we got radically saved outside of the church. Didn't know there was Christians in churches when I was 26 and he was going on 27. And um, we just we met these amazing people um, who just opened their house. And for a bunch of ragamuffins that smoked still and drank coffee, but at least we were off of all the hard stuff and all the, you know, the drugs. <laughs> we weren't doing any wacky anymore. That's amazing. But... But, you know, we just messed up, and we at that point had two kids of our own that we just didn't know what we were doing. And God radically came in our life, and we remarried, um, um, just reaffirmed our vows. Like, God has done so much I could go on, but really, the, the thing is, you never arrive, and there's no seniority in the kingdom of God. We're all just, you know, grow up and become a child. That's the word for the weekend. And I love the authenticity. I just love these two. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I love you too. 
you're really amazing. And when I met you both, really, and got to know you at a, saw you at the school, but I really got to see you at a different level in England. Um, I'm just so blessed, really, just how you've loved God and you let that out. And you're just so inviting. And that hospitality I just felt in the home, that's my number one deal is hospitality. Open heart, open home, and you two have it. And I just want to say that when I was praying today, we've been fighting the flu, and you've all heard that, and you can play the violin. We're getting better because of God. But, you know, something he really said about this people group is something that really hit me is that um, today when I was with the few people was just the open-heartedness and that how you really love all generations, that this generation of revival is not just Generation X, it's all, because then it would be another orphan movement. It would just be like, I've lived through that with the Jesus people. It was awesome, and it was great, and it was, you know, fun being a hippie, kind of still am, but in some areas, but it has to be all the family. And when I was praying today, um, just laying on the bed, and God really reminded me about little Zacchaeus, you know, and he was a write-off to everybody else, wasn't he? Really. And he was chief tax collector. He was just a little creep, you know, not much to look at, I'm sure. But Jesus showed up, and Jesus, he loves the little creeps. He loved us. So we need to be relaxed, because some of the subject things we go through, right, it can be hard, and we need humor. There's obviously lots in this room, but but what hit me about this story was Jesus just went up to him and said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat with you today. I'm going to your household. And you heard all the murmuring of other people saying, do you know who he is? He's a sinner. And He's a but you see, Jesus sees the heart. And everyone in this room, Jesus has touched down on your heart in some level, some way. Or you could be somewhere else on Friday night. Like this is Richmond. I mean, there's stuff happening out there right? But the most important is what's happening in your hearts tonight. And Jesus goes to the house, doesn't care less. And before he goes, Zacchaeus is so blown away because in that culture, which I believe God is restoring to this revival, it's going to be open hearts and open home. And I know it's going to be a challenge for a lot of you because you live all at different parts of the city. But let me tell you, if you've got a cup of coffee, entertaining is a show. We don't need that. But hospitality is what you see is what you get. It's about us. And Jesus said, this is the coolest thing. And I was sitting there going, this is who these people are. This is who you are. And this is where your revival is going. I believe God's kingdom is going to come through the very ordinary, through opening your heart and your home. It's community, because without relationship, it's just a show. And I've done enough meetings to last a lifetime. I want to connect with people, because that's what Jesus like. Anyways, you heard, he went, and what does Zacchaeus say? I'll give everybody back four times the amount, which in the culture, most Jews tithe 40%, right? So there was the four in there. But the other thing is, you know, like he wanted to make full restitution. And I just want to 
pray for your hearts because I believe what you're carrying in there is for people to be hooked up by Jesus, not by their performance or not by their past, but by the very presence of God and that he wants to inundate. He wants to fill when you're sleeping, not when you're sweating, not when you're working. And, you know, a lot of you say, well, I don't have much to offer. I don't cook well. It doesn't matter. Buy some donuts. Have a coffee. Who cares? Who cares? It's not entertaining. Some, some of the women are going, thank you, Jesus, right now, right? Can I just, hand on heart, can I bless you? Father, I thank you how Jesus just sees upon the heart and that Jesus was never ashamed to go around the little creeps or the, you know, the labeled or the stigma because, Father, we all are labeled without you. And, Father, it was the love that just absolutely the goodness, the loving kindness that led that man to change his mind and repent and say, four times the amount, I'm going to give it back. And then some, didn't he? And so, Father, I just pray that each one in this room can really enjoy the fullness and the fruitfulness of love. That over a coffee or a donut, big stuff happens. Big stuff happens. And, Father, I just thank you for, um, I'm just blown away that two churches would come together and have your agenda for your city, for your people. And I just bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it really is a a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, You know, over the last 30 years, my wife and I have been around the world a few times. Do we look tired? (laughs) But we have been to many different streams, many different people groups and nations. And you know, in every human being, there's the same cry. And it is the cry for Abba. It is the cry for daddy. It is a cry to come home. And home is in the heart. Just as Heather was saying, our home is not in a house or a church building. Our home is in the heart. And the father, you know, uh, sacrificed his son on the cross so that you and I could come home. And be fully welcomed and feel that we're at home. You know, one one of the evidences um, where revival has really touched down One of the evidences is when people walk through the door, they will have a testimony that they may have never been to this church before, but they felt at home. And they felt at home because the Father's heart has been welcomed. And I was saying with with, uh, some of the leaders from Harvest today, I really feel this is your DNA you know, that, that as you have opened your heart to the Father and really come home, it's, it's you know, it's just going to be his presence where people walk through that door. Orphans are going to walk through that door literally. 
and just say, I'm home. I don't know these people. I have never been here before, but I feel at home. See, that's, that is the amazing uh, fruit of the love of God. Because here's how God loves you. He loves you just as you are. Not as you should be, but just as you are. And he loves you exactly the same as Jesus. Boom. (laughs) There is no difference in the Father's opinion of you than there is of Jesus. As the Father introduced Jesus to the world, he didn't say, here's the healer of the nations. Here's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all in one. Come one, come all. (laughs) Get a word. He spoke from heaven the most honoring, important thing he could have said over Jesus. And you know, sometimes the most powerful things are are just a couple of words. And what the Father said over Jesus was, this is my beloved Son. And on Him my favor rests. Another translation says, in Him I have great delight. Another translation says, he's the joy of my heart. (laughs) And the Father's opinion of you and me is exactly the same as his opinion of Jesus. You are his joy. You are his delight. You are the apple of his eye. You are his favorite child. You are his beloved son or daughter. And even though he has millions of kids, there's nobody like you. You fill a place in his heart that nobody else can fill. Do you realize tonight I hope you will, how your life would change if that was a reality on a day-by-day basis. Because we are living under somebody's opinion. And freedom comes from living under the Father's opinion. So, you know, when, when you be when you become a Christian by simply asking Jesus to save you, admitting you're a sinner and admitting that he's right and you're wrong, (laughs) humbling yourself. (laughs) You know, I I was 18. I was right all the time. (laughs) But to admit I was wrong. You know, I took so many stupid pills 
Ay, ay, ay. Thinking I was right. You know, when you're deceived, you're the last person to know. And I had deceived myself by thinking, you know, freedom was getting my own way. Living my life, my way, my time, my agenda. And, you know, I live by, you know, that that humanistic uh, bottom line. If it feels good, do it. And if that felt good, do it more. Because more is better. (laughs) So, you know, when it comes to sin, I wanted more. But God was so loving in letting me come to the end of my deception. To really help me surrender and and ask for help. You know... There are people who think they're better than everybody else. There are people who think they're less than everybody else. We need to think the way the Father thinks. That we are just who He says we are. Nothing more, nothing less. We are His beloved. And if we will come into agreement in our minds and in our hearts, our life is going to take a dramatic change. Life is going to go well with you (laughs) when you start agreeing with the Father's opinion. (laughs) You know, repentance is simply change your mind. And you know, a lot of people uh, can't admit they're wrong. They, they, their whole thing, their whole life is about being right and proving everybody else wrong. But, you know, what they're trying to prove oftentimes is a deception or a wrong priority. You know, we get our value in this world through what we do. And you could sum up the, the, the world's value system in one short phrase, which I actually saw one day coming out of a... I was on my way to, out of the airport in San Jose, California to do a Father Heart conference. And I see this huge billboard that's advertising for Nextel, cell phone company. And it says this. In big, bold print, it says, I do... Therefore, I am. I do, therefore, I am. And so the more I do, the more I am. The less I do, the less I am. And I was looking at that billboard and, you know, all the time praying, Oh God, how do you want me to open this conference? (laughs) <laughs> the message is in big, bold print, you know. And I'm looking at that, and I'm just thinking that through, and the Holy Spirit says, 
That's the kingdom of this world. And, and when I say kingdom, I mean government. What governs this world is your human doings. It, you're not a beloved son or daughter. <laughs> you know? You are what you do. You are what you've done. And you're either feeling ashamed of what you've done or haven't done, or you're feeling better than everybody else because look what I've done. Look what I can do. Paul called that (laughs) doo-doo. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm in easy reach. So, as I was thinking that through, the Holy Spirit's saying to me, what do you think the kingdom of God is all about then? And this phrase came to me. He did, therefore I am. He did perfectly. Therefore, I am perfect before the Father. Not through my own righteousness or doing, but simply through the righteousness of Christ, which, by the way, is a gift. And it can only be freely received. Hello? So, you know, when it, if, if it can only be freely received, then, you know, that, that just comes right against the grain of everything I've learned. Because nothing in life is free. If you don't earn it, you don't deserve it. I remember when we had our church back in, uh, we had a vineyard church back in early 90s. And one of the things we used to do on Saturday mornings during the summer was have these free car washes. And, you know, a couple of the kids would be out on the main street in our town and they'd have these big signs. Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, who doesn't want a free car wash? Hello. (laughs) The sun is shining. And not only did we give them free car washes, we gave them free hot dogs and a Coke while they're waiting. And, you know, you would think that we'd we'd just be overrun with people because it's free. (laughs) But what have we learned about free? (laughs) Beware of that word free. Because what we've been conditioned is nothing that is worth anything is free. And if it's free, it's probably got a catch. You know, it's like the free gift that pops up on your computer. Oh, yeah, right. You're going to be spammed for the rest of your life. Don't open anything that says free, you know. So, so... What I'm saying is, in this world, by the spirit of this world, we've been conditioned by this world. We have been conditioned to refuse grace. 
refuse anything that is free, just a gift, undeserved, unmerited favor. We, we, you know, have these flags that go off. And we would have these people come in for a free car wash. And guess what would happen in many cases? (laughs) They they would be saying, you know, because it was our our youth that were doing the, the car wash, and they would be asking these kids, you know, this can't be free. What is this, a church? Is it a nonprofit? You know, what, where's the offering bucket? <laughs> you know, and we, we told our kids, you know, we don't care what they say. You do not receive any donations for anything. And some people... I would say 25% of those people refuse to get a car wash without paying for it. When you've been conditioned by the spirit of this world that you are what you do and you only get what you earn. And all of a sudden you're now in a situation where it's the exact opposite. You have to get what some, you have to freely receive what somebody else earned for you. You know, you may be able to bypass your mind a little bit, but your heart's not going to receive. And I want to tell you something tonight. What the Father has for you can only be freely received. You have to let go. You have to let go of, of, you know, this thing of, well, God, I'll pay you back. God, if you give me a gift, I'll pray more, I'll fast more, I'll witness more, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll make a deal <laughs> for your love. You know? It's one thing to get saved. It's another thing to think saved. To really understand what you've been given. Because I don't know about you, when I, when I became a Christian, this is, how, this is what happened. I was an Alcoholics Anonymous. And <clears throat> I met somebody who really seemed, when he talked about his higher power, it was personal. And he said things like this, God talks to me. Now, I, I knew this guy was a bit of a weirdo. He was a creep. <laughs> he was a saved creep. He used to... He used to <laughs> He used to be a guru. Uh, and uh, he, he, all the time he was a guru in transcendental meditation. He thought he was helping people connect with God. And one night, while well, he had just finished dinner, he was sitting down on his couch and... and uh, Never heard the gospel in his life. Never heard anything like Jesus saves or, you know, it's one way to Jesus. 
<clears throat> and his name was Terry. And this is what our loving Heavenly Father said to Terry, the guru. <laughs> he said, Terry, this is right out of the blue, the audible voice of God. He said, Terry, Jesus is not just one of the boys. <laughs> He's not just another prophet. And, and Terry, you know, he's sitting on the couch. You can imagine you having this experience, couldn't you? You're just trying to, you know, digest your meal. <laughs> the audible voice of God says to you, Jesus is not just another prophet. And it's like, kaboom. And he's sitting there. And, and the father says, he is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to me except through him. He's oh. <laughs> just like, what? Now, this guy was full of demons. He was into the occult but didn't know it. And the last thing the Lord said to him was, you have been seeking Satan not me. <laughs> and as the penny dropped, he was literally thrown from one side of the room to the other as these demonic powers let go. And he's lying on the floor on the other side of the room on the floor and he's like, Jesus! Well, <laughs> this guy I met not knowing any of his background but I was attracted to his, his, his understanding of who God is, higher power. Because some people in 12-step programs, it's the light bulb is your higher power. You know, anything greater than yourself. So anyway, so I, I started hanging around with this guy and going to meetings that he was going to. And I would listen to him speak in these discussion groups and it's like, my appetite for the real God just increased and increased and increased. And I remember one night we were actually doing an AA meeting in a prison outside of Toronto. And I remember this one night, there was a guy in that group who had, had you know, done horrific things while he was drunk and couldn't even remember it killed five or six people and was in a blackout, which I had been in several times. And uh, it could have been me. And here he is. He's on suicide watch because he found out what he did and immediately wanted to kill himself. He was the only one survived. It was in an accident. And uh, anyway... One night he comes to the meeting and, it, you know, every time I'd see this guy, it was like a heavy black cloud over him. Depressed, condemned, hating himself. And, of course, the devil heaping it on. And, um, and then, you know, this is for three weeks in a row and then on the fourth week I see him come in and he's like the opposite. 
the lights are on in somebody's home. <laughs> and he's just beaming with this, this you know, love and, and, and life that I can see in his eyes. He's gone from death to life. And I, his name was Brian. I said, Brian, man, what happened to you? And he said with immediately, tears just streaming down his cheeks. He said, Jesus forgave me. And it, that hit me like a ton of bricks. My first thought was, man, if he could forgive you, there's hope for me, you know. And he said, all you have to do is ask him. So after this meeting, this is about 10.30 at night, my friend who's with me, the guru, the creep, <clears throat> converted creep, you know, he, he takes me over to this McDonald's, which is right across the road from this prison. And um, it's an all-nighter. And I spent all night listening to his story with my jaw dropped. And he told me, you know, the life that he had had before this, I, I was just, that can't be true. It's got to be a story. And then he told me his experience on the couch when Jesus, you know, came into his life. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so he drops me off at home. And, you know, my wife has been, has been sleeping all night, knows nothing of this. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. And I felt like I, I'd slept for a month. I was so refreshed by the life I was experiencing when my friends telling me the way, the truth, and the life came into his heart. And what real life looks like. It didn't look like what I had. <laughs> you know, this guy, he had what my, my friend Brian had in prison. Life, abundant life, Zoe. Do you know... Jesus said this, he said, the devil has come to rob, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. And, and the word life there is Zoe, which means this, the quality of life that God has. The quality of life that God has. <laughs> oh my, that's good quality. That's highest quality. And, you know, that morning, this is how, how amazing God is. Whoa, and somebody really needs to hear this tonight. That morning just based on the testimony of two people where I, I saw life in them and realized I was in death. And I was like a walking dead man. And uh, <laughs> just based on their testimony, I'm like, I, I remember my, my friend, when my friend dropped me off, the creep, the guru, he said to me, you can't have a relationship based on what I got. You have to ask God yourself. Ask Him if He's the way and the truth and the life. Ask if Jesus is the only way. 
and he'll answer you. So there I am. I, I feel like, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I feel like I've slept all night. And I'm brushing my teeth in the bathroom. And i got to wake Heather up to go to work. And I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. And it's going over and over in my mind. Just ask if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I dare you to ask yourself and see what happens. I didn't even get words out because I'm brushing my teeth. I just thought the thought. Yeah, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him if he is the way and the truth and the life. Do you know, as soon as I thought that thought, that's all God needed. (laughs) And the next thing I know, kapow. (laughs) I'm on the floor sort of rolling around. I'm a holy roller, you know, rolling around. I'm laughing my head off with joy, and I'm crying my eyes out at the same time. And I, I, my thought is, you know, if this isn't God, I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I'd heard what happened to people when they have nervous breakdowns, you know. But it was God. <laughs> and anyway, <clears throat> for, for 20 minutes, I'm just, I'm just getting turned inside out and upside down. For the first time, I'm, I'm tasting life. The quality of life that God has. What it feels like to be unconditionally loved and accepted just as you are. I was experiencing, I couldn't put words to this, but I was experiencing the honor of the Father. I was experiencing Him validating me. I was experiencing... What Jesus experienced was, you are my beloved son. There's nobody like you. You are the greatest. You are the apple of my eye. You're everything I ever wanted. No words spoken, just the feeling. Right? This revelation. And uh, so after rolling around on the floor 20 minutes, toothpaste everywhere, you know. I I go into the bedroom to wake up my wife. This is hilarious. And I I shook her foot and I said, Honey, honey, Jesus is in the bathroom. (laughs) Now immediately she thinks I've taken drugs again. Because I had friends who thought they were Jesus, you know. And uh, <laughs> but she could not deny what I could not deny is the glory didn't fade away. The life I had experienced just got brighter. And within that first couple of weeks, <laughs> you know, the things you do when you don't know anything. I'm praying, like, you know, she got saved like four days later, by the way. Just watching what I watched in prison, and I watched in my 
creep friend, the guru. I saw life. I saw the real deal. This guy wasn't religious. He had an experience with the unconditional love and acceptance of God that was just like blowing his wires, frying everything. And, and so <clears throat> she watched me for about four days, realized it wasn't drugs. <laughs> this is real. And even though, you know, she struggled as a kid being Catholic and feeling condemned all the time, she was able to accept Jesus as her Savior just as I did. But in that first couple of weeks, I'm praying one night. The Lord says, go put your hand on your daughter's chest. She was like four years old, five years old. She had asthma so bad she couldn't participate in any physical, you know, stuff at school. And I just put my hand on her, head, on her chest and I said, she's sleeping. I said, in Jesus' name, you're healed. The next morning, she comes running down the stairs. I can breathe! <laughs> oh, yeah. This stuff is real. <laughs> and, and so many things just happened in that first six months. It's just like we're on another planet. This is another world. Wow. And little did I know that this was just the beginning. That what was coming would be like Jesus times 10 when I came home to the Father. When I went from being an orphan to understanding I'm now a son whose father is not ashamed of him. A father who doesn't look at me, you know, through, through the failures of my past. Or look at me with the look that my earthly father used to give me. Which was the look of, boy, I wish you weren't my son. <laughs> I wish you were like so and so. I wish you were better than you are. See, if you're ashamed and you have a child and that child is not perfect, it makes you look more ashamed. Because there's a lie that goes with shame that says unless you're perfect, you're not acceptable. But Jesus made me perfectly acceptable to the Father. <laughs> I got the free gift <laughs> of his righteousness. I didn't know that when I became a Christian. It was me and Jesus. The Holy Spirit snuck up on me. And my wife, like a month later, Jehovah Sneaky. <clears throat> we went to get water baptized, you know. And we come up out of the water speaking in like Navajo Indians or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at her and she's looking at me. We're talking to each other, but in totally, totally different languages. 
And the pastor's saying, that's okay. That's normal. You know, this is good. Holy Spirit just filled you. You're good. Oh, so this was all in the first year. I'm like, what? But still within me, there was an Abba cry. And the problem was this. I didn't, well, let's put it this way. I had no problem accepting Jesus because I had nothing to compare him to. Right? I didn't grow up with the Jesus in my life. I didn't have an elder brother who's named Jesus that, you know, treated me like dirt. But I did grow up with the Father. And so immediately, and, and here's what we do as human beings. We tend to block out what, what is painful. We, we, we tend to, you know, avoid pain. And, you know, I'd already learned in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> denial is what keeps you from breakthrough. Denial is what keeps you from breakthrough. When you say, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he says to you, you know, this, this needs to be changed or, or this, is, this is the way it really is. And you go, oh, no, <laughs> I'm fine. I found out what fine means. Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> but saying I'm fine when I'm not is denial. And see, the kingdom of God is all about reality. You know, when, when, it, when, it, when Jesus said in John uh, 4 with the Samaritans, he said, the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking are those who worship in spirit and in truth. And the actual Greek there is divine reality. So the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking are those who worship him as he really is and who they really are. The Father's opinion. The Father's opinion. What was my problem? My spirit's crying out for Abba, Daddy. I, I remember hearing Christians call God Daddy and I wanted to cut their tongue off. You know? It's like it just brought up just this, I hate. I hate daddies. You can't trust a dad. And, you know, it was... You know what it brought up? It brought up a sense of betrayal that I had been denying all my life. And, <clears throat> you know, it was fine as long as it was our Heavenly Father up there somewhere. <laughs> Until one day I'm reading in John here. Oh boy, I tell you, when he wants to get your attention, El Cabong, right? <laughs> Whoa. It's in verse John 14, 
Verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. (laughs) And I realized that when I asked Jesus into my heart, the Father came too. They are one. But I had only experienced the, the, the love of Jesus. I hadn't connected with the love of a father. Now, now, Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. That means destination father. Why did Jesus come and die on the cross? To take us to the Father. Why and what happens when we come to the Father? We find out who we really are as his beloved daughters and sons. We find out we have nothing to prove. Man, is that ever freeing? To know you have nothing to prove. Think about it. Here's another one. There's no one to compare yourself to. There's no competition. (laughs) Why do church splits happen? Comparison and competition. Politics. It's, it happened with the disciples. You know, Jesus, there's 12 of us, but who's number one? <laughs> and two and three. What's the pecking order here? You know, you're leaving. You keep saying you're leaving. Who's going to be number one? And number two and number three and number four and number five? You know? And, the, and of course, they're looking at John the Beloved, right? And it seems like he's got the most intimate relationship with Jesus because he just kind of lays his head on Jesus' chest. And Jesus lets him. And so every disciple in the little group is watching the other disciples to see Who's number one? Who's number two? Who's number three? And see, (laughs) that's all part of the world of I do, therefore I am. We have been freed to live in the land of he did, therefore I am. But who am I based on what he's done? See, it has nothing to do with your works. Everything to do with his. And when you've been conditioned in this world, as we all have, and we're, we're still in this world, right? We're still working with people. We're still living around people who are all living under I do, therefore I am. And, you know, they're trying to keep up with each other. They're competing 
for a sense of worth, a sense of value. You know, so if you go out and get a new car, let's say you go out and buy yourself a brand new spanking Chev Impala. (laughs) And your neighbor looks at what you got, and he's got to go out and get himself a brand spanking new BMW. 750, fully load. <laughs> and he can kind of look at your little Chevy Impala and go, I'm number one. I'm doing better than you are. And see, that's what was happening with the disciples. I know it doesn't happen in this church because this is the perfect church, right? (laughs) But that's the kind of stuff that we're unaware of that keeps us from freely receiving the Father's love. Not trying to earn it through prayer and fasting and witnessing and all these activities. All are good. It's not what you're doing, it's why you're doing it. Are you trying to, you know, do something to get God to love you? Or are you living from love? Jesus lived from love. He lived from approval. When the Father spoke over him, he actually believed that. That was his identity, being a son. Even though... You know, you, you could call him apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Do you know an ego is evidence of a wounded heart? Guess who said that? Mike Tyson. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, Mike Tyson, the philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> That creep. (laughs) I was watching an interview with Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. You know, and, you know, everybody knows the story, what happened with them. You know, Mike Tyson bit his ear off. Bit both ears, actually. (laughs) He had a werewolf thing going on. And... And I've always loved, you know, Evander Holyfield. And I just loved his attitude, being a Christian. But he's, you know, he, it, it's never gone to his head. He's never had an ego trip. And my wife, actually, and my daughter were in Atlanta a couple of years ago, um, staying at a hotel, and Evander comes into the lobby. <laughs> My daughter says to my wife, Isn't that Evander Holyfield? Isn't that dad's favorite fighter? You know? And uh, <clears throat> she said, I don't know. I think so. So my daughter goes right over to him. Oh, she made you go. <laughs> Here, my Lord, send her. <laughs> so, so, you know. She talks to Evander. What do you say, honey? So I just went up and I said, I'm just going to ask you, 
are you who I think you are? And, and he had his trainer with him and manager, and he used to be an Olympian. And he said, well, what did you just finish saying to me while these girls were walking up to us and said, you know, n- when I go to heaven, Jesus isn't going to talk about my five world titles, and he's the only one who did it. And he's not going to talk about these. He's going to talk to me about my heart. And the most beautiful thing of all, sorry, uh, the most beautiful thing about him was he spent time with us and he talked to my daughter. And then when he went out, um, the people went to get his car. All these young boys, um, (laughs) very fatherless, and uh, they came up and um, bellboys and all this. And he spent another 25 minutes just loving on them. And we have the whole thing filled. My daughter just kept running the film. And, you know, God has so wrecked his heart with the love of the Father. And he was talking to them, you know, this is great. You're earning a living. You have integrity. He says, but you can have more in life. You don't have to just stay here. And um, it was really quite a powerful thing. And Pete was over in Switzerland, and we sent him all the films. said, I bet you wanted to come to Atlanta, eh, honey? Yeah, pretty cool. But here's the deal. Romans 8, 29. We're going we're gonna to finish here in a minute, in case you're wondering. I could go all night. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. I just want you to think about this tonight. How are you going to glorify God? Which should be your mission in this life. Not glorify you, but glorify God. How would you do that? Not a trick question. (laughs) How do we glorify God? Hear voices speak loud. Enjoy him and love him by living out your true identity. Step number one freely receive everything he has given you, claim it as your own. Ephesians 1 3 says, You and I have been blessed with every conceivable spiritual blessing in Christ. It doesn't say we will be, it says we have been. Past tense, from the day you were saved, you have been blessed as his favorite son 
or daughter. What's the problem then? Receiving it. Why would I have a hard time receiving it? Because I believe somebody else's opinion about myself. And that opinion may be your opinion. I hear this all the time when people come up for prayer. I know I won't tonight because it is the perfect church. People come up for prayer and say, I just feel unworthy. You don't feel unworthy. Only you believe you're unworthy. Remember what I said about somebody who's deceived? They're the last one to know. But whatever you think is true in your heart is going to dictate your life. That's why an anorexic who, when they look in the mirror and see, you know, uh, you know, the, the normal would be they're at the right weight, the right height, but what they see is a distorted picture of themselves. And you can have spiritual anorexia because to them it's real. It's what they see. It's because what they believe about themselves. And, you know, I've actually prayed for people who refuse to believe that they're loved by God that much. They're, they're so bound to their identity based on what they've done or not done or what somebody else said about them. That they are, they, they've lived under that. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like a comfort. You know, I'm a loser. And so I just, I get my affirmation from being around losers. Or I am what I did. Or, or believing something like this, I'm a mistake. You know? Or I should have been born a girl, and now I, you know, here I am struggling as a guy. The devil's into identity theft. And I just want to leave you with this. The only way you're going to glorify God in this life is to believe who you are in his eyes. And by believing who you are in his eyes, love yourself. Love being you as you are. Most Christians are full of self-rejection. And we'll get into that tomorrow. But somewhere along the line, they have believed what they did can never be forgiven. Or what somebody else said about them is the truth. You know, when I first met my wife, <clears throat> I would say to her after, you know, being together for a while, I would say, I love you. And she would just make a joke of it. Because she could not love herself. Now, I didn't know that, you know, she was a victim of sexual abuse. And she had an identity in being a victim. And somehow, through the twisted events of that, she had determined, as a child, it was her fault. Therefore, how could anybody love her? 
And as long as you believe that in your heart, you know, the Father can pour out. You may be able to, you know, come up for prayer and you, you, you feel the love, but it just kind of washes off when you walk out the door. He wants you to believe. What's written on your heart is you are his beloved. And that will never change. I said that will never change. He will never change his mind. How cool is that? (laughs) It's not like he's stuck with us. He just wants us to believe the truth so that we can experience every conceivable spiritual blessing in Christ. That we can live an abundant life, the quality of life that God has. And that we can live an abundant life. That means there's more than enough. You're not under this poverty thing. Hoarding, you know, fearing that you're going to run out. You can, you can live in generosity. Because you're not worried about tomorrow. you got a faithful father. I mean, if he, if he loves you perfectly, don't you think there's going to be enough? More than enough? So the only thing that's stopping that from happening in your life is what you believe in your heart. And maybe by the end of this weekend, you will surrender to the truth of his love. You'll forgive yourself from your heart. You'll you'll let go of bitterness maybe towards somebody else. But oftentimes, I've found the worst person we have a problem with forgiving is ourselves. Living under the law, you beat yourself up continually. Jesus, you know, Romans 8 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Woohoo! That means none. Never. Ever. Any condemnation. Hallelujah. Whoo! Wow. Father, thank you tonight. This is all true. And it's all true for me. Let's say that together. It's all true for me. And I open my heart tonight to receive it all. Every blessing in Christ is mine tonight. I repent of of feeling like I have to earn it. I don't deserve it. Wow. Come on. Wow. <laughs> I changed my mind about that tonight. <laughs> I freely receive this love and acceptance as a gift from you, Daddy. Thank you.
Amen. So we'll just leave it there tonight. <clears throat> Be back tomorrow. Um, could we just put our website up on the...